Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, welcome to Southside Online today. So thankful that you would be a part of this day with us and hang out with us for a little while. We're talking about what it means to be a disciple. What does that look like? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, he said, if you wanna be my disciple, he said, then here's what I'm asking you to do. I need you to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. <laughs> and the, very, you know, it, the things that he said to do there are all extremely difficult. Deny yourself. Now, granted, we are in January where everyone seems to make the same resolutions. I want to lose 50 pounds in five days. We can do it. Yes, you can. You know, I mean, we kind of start that way and we think, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to eat anything for 30 days with the exception of a piece of paper and drink some water. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat paper and drink water. I'm going to lose 50 pounds and do it in 30 days. And we make it maybe two days. And that's all we do. Okay. We deny ourselves temporarily, but it never lasts long. All right. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to do some things that you don't want to do. You're going to have to deny yourself. As difficult as that is, and sometimes as impossible as that seems, deny yourself. Then he said, I want you to pick up your cross daily. Awesome. Awesome. I'm thinking of a cross. A lot of times we think maybe it's that little cross on a chain that I'll wrap around my neck so I'm carrying my cross daily. No, no, no. He's saying pick up the cross like he carried the cross. I'm talking about a massive piece of of wood that is uh, fastened together, two pieces, and he carried it up a cross. He said, you got to pick up your own cross daily. And then you come and you follow me. It's a powerful passage, a powerful statement But what does it mean? And how does that apply to your life? And how does that apply to my life? In other words, how does it work? And and how do we fit that in to the life that we're already living? Well, I've got some answers for you, and I want to help you understand that. But you see, in order for us to understand that, let's go to the lives of the first disciples. Let's see the lives of the very men, the very first men that he called to say, come and follow me. Come be a disciple. Let's look at their lives. Let's see what they did, and let's examine that before we say, hey, what is expected and required of us? And so the lives of the first disciples, They truly redefine risk. They really do. Not really as much before the death and crucifixion of Jesus, but definitely after the resurrection of Jesus. Because what we see before the crucifixion of Christ is a group of men and some women that chose to follow Jesus and they, they, were, they, they, they got it probably more wrong than they did right. And they were very much in a learning and watching and following stage. After the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, things changed because now Jesus is commissioning them to do what he did. And, and what we see is a total shift and change, and I believe it's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in their life, and them seeing the risen Christ instead of a dead Savior, they saw a risen Savior, and so the lives of those disciples redefine risk. They really do. And they set the standard for sacrifice. It's their example that we're following. 
And by comparison today, many of our risk seem tame and many of our sacrifices seem kind of lame. And so it can really be summed up in the definition of a convert versus the definition of a disciple, a convert. A convert is a person who has been persuaded to change their beliefs. Converts are new believers. We all start here, but too often we stop here as well. We make Christianity all about what we believe. Converts aren't bad, they're just babies. And for us, there's nothing wrong with being a baby, but you're not meant to stay that way. The opposite is true of a disciple. A disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. In what ways? In every way. See, a value that we will hold dear here is not that we want Jesus to be first, we want Jesus to be the center. Because if he's the center of my life, then everything about my life is connected to him and revolves around him. He is involved in every aspect of my life. And so a disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. In other words, they make his mission their mission. They make his values their values. They make his plans their plans. In other words, they go all in. And so Jesus offers grace without condition, but he doesn't offer grace without expectation. And I love that about the savior of the world, that he would offer us grace without condition because salvation is for everyone. Everyone has been forgiven because that's what the cross says. Jesus died for all mankind. And so everybody's been forgiven. It's just some people accept it while other people reject it. You can say, well, I've never rejected it. Well, have you accepted it? Well, no, I've never done that either. Well, acceptance is, you, you, you've got to have one or the other. There is no middle ground. And so if you haven't accepted it, then by your very life and actions, words and everything, you're, you're rejecting it. You reject it on a daily basis. And so that's consciously or subconsciously, you're making a decision. And so the same goes with once you make that decision to follow Christ. Now, I want to make that decision daily so that every part of my day, every aspect of my day, every aspect of my life is given over to him. Why? Because Jesus offers grace without condition. Everyone's forgiven. It's just some people accept it and other people reject it. But he doesn't offer grace without expectation. And so today, I want to talk to you about the difference between interruptions and invitations. Because some of life's greatest invitations actually look like interruptions. And so three things today. Number one, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. We see that in Luke chapter five, and this is kind of the breakdown of this story. It says, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word. So Jesus is now at the age of 30. He's lived in relative obscurity as the son of a carpenter who's who, who Joseph has passed away early in Jesus's life or earlier, and Jesus took on the family business and trade, and he, he lived that way. Well, now, at the age of 30, and there's all kinds of significance with this age in the Jewish culture, Jesus steps into a public ministry. And so he begins to teach, he begins to speak with authority on the word of God. And uh, right now, he's just kind of living it out in the Galilee region, and, and, and so he's garnering some attention. 
because he's backing it up with signs and wonders. And so people are now coming to Jesus to listen to this. And here in this passage, he is on the side of the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching a group of people. But the crowd is large and it's pressing in on him. And so as the crowd was pressing in on him to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. It said he saw two boats at the edge of the lake. And the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. So they're empty. And so this is what Jesus does. Jesus got into one of the boats, which belonged to a man named Simon, who you may know as Peter. He has a brother named Andrew. And they also have a business partner whose name is Zebedee. And he has two sons that are helping him named James and John. Well, those are the two fishing boats that are empty. Why are they empty? What's well, during the day? Why aren't they fishing? Because fishermen like these men on the Sea of Galilee didn't fish in daytime, they fished at night. They also didn't fish in deep water, they fished in shallow water, and they didn't fish with a rod and a reel, they fished with nets. And so here, the boats are empty, it's in the early part of the day, and they're cleaning their nets. Why are they doing that? They're getting ready for, they're cleaning their nets from the night before, and they're getting ready for the next day before they go home and rest. And so he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and he asked Simon to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. I think we've got it backwards today because in their day, this is how the teaching happened. The teacher sat down and the people stood up. I'm standing, you're sitting. What is wrong with this story? And so it was just the opposite. And the lake, the sea, formed this natural amplification so that, that it, the people that were gathered on the side of the, of the sea, could, on the beach side, could hear what he was saying. And so he sits down and he teaches. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into deep waters and let your nets down for a catch. You may not see this in this sentence, but Jesus says three things to Simon. He says, number one, I want you to go fishing. He tells him what to do. Number two, he tells him where to go. He said, I want you to go into deep water. And number three, he tells him what to expect. And let down your nets for a catch. So he tells him what to do, where to go, and what to expect. This is the way Simon responds. He says, master, which is a term of respect in their culture. He is, he is referring to Jesus as a teacher of God's word. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long. Okay? He may even have a little Lionel Richie in the back. All night long. Anyway, so anyway, he's got, we've worked hard all night long. And we've caught nothing. Nothing. Pause. Don't miss the pulse. Don't miss the pulse, okay? Master, Peter replied, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. Didn't catch anything. Now I'll say this to you, before we move to the but, most people stop here. Most people stop here in a lot of aspects and issues of life, okay? Especially when it comes to faith. And so we stop at this point and we go no further. You know why? Because we fished and we've worked hard all night long. Because we've already done somewhat of what he's asked him to do. 
I've already done there. Been there, done that, okay? And so what we're doing subconsciously is we are shrinking our living. We're not living with a big picture. We're living with a small picture. We are shrinking our living. That's what happens to most people. Because as a child, we dream big, the sky's the limit, we can be anything, do anything, accomplish anything, We're, and, and, and it really doesn't change much when we get, as teenagers, adolescents, we are 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and, and maybe even into college, but coming out of that, things begin to change. And as we, old, as we get older, we shrink, okay? We shrink, we shrink our living. And, and as we shrink our living, all kinds of things are affected by that. And, and the Bible is not a small picture book. The Bible is a big picture book. God is a big picture God. God is about the details, but obviously he's also about the big picture. I read this and just thought it was so important. It's hard to live with eternity in view. Life causes us to shrink. There are moments when it seems like the most important thing in life is getting through rush hour traffic. Come on, somebody. There are times in life where it seems like the most important thing is winning an argument, satisfying some desire, or, or meeting some need that we have. There are moments when our happiness and contentment shrink in order to get that one important thing. These are the moments when who we are and who God is shrink into the background to the needs of the moment. We lose our minds. We lose our sense of direction. We lose our memory of God. And so that's what Peter had the almost happened, but he paused. And with the pause came the next statement. But at your word... Even though your word defies my wisdom, even though your word to me defies logic, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, so they didn't just have to throw the nets over the side, they had to push out into deep water. It took effort. When they did this, when they did all of those things, they had to get the nets back in the boat. They had to do all this stuff. They had to get the boat prepared, and there they go. They caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners because their, their partners didn't go. It was, just, it was just Simon and his brother Andrew. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled their boat so full that they began to sink. So, so what do we see here? Well, sometimes, sometimes some of life's greatest invitations can look like interruptions. So don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. Press pulse. Press pulse. Ever been watching something on your phone? You got your phone out and you're, 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 you're watching a video and you missed it and you're gonna move it back? Press pause. Somebody starts talking, something happens, press pause. When I hit my screen, it goes from the little play triangle to the pause button. I've got to press pause. Well, sometimes God may say something to you and you've got something you want to say back or you're in a setting and you're going to, you're going to miss the moment. Don't miss it. Don't 
do that because, why? Because if you wanna see God do the impossible, then you've gotta be willing to press pause and obey. He didn't just press pause, he also obeyed. He did what was asked of him to do. Sometimes some of life's greatest invitations can look like interruptions, so don't miss the moment. Number two, don't run from repentance. Don't run from repentance. Don't run from doing what's right. That's what I'm trying, that's for this. Don't run from doing what's right, okay? Do right, do right, do right, do right. Even if the stars fall from heaven, go do right. Look at what Peter did. When Simon Peter saw this, he didn't, he stopped what he's doing and he fell at Jesus' knees and he said to him, he fell on his knees like, get it, go away, go away from me. Go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. We've gone from master and teacher to Lord. It was that monumental of a moment. What just happened to these men was literally in their minds impossible. Because you fished at night. You fished in shallow water. You didn't fish at this time of the day, nor did you fish in deep water. And they've caught enough fish to provide for them for a, for a year. It was, it was an, an enormous catch of fish. Not just for one boat, but for two. See, A lot of times when we get in moments like this, we press pause, we obey. See, there's all kinds of stopping points. The place where it kind of defies logic and we're like, I don't know, or I've been there and done that and I've tried that, it didn't work, and so we pause, but we stop. Or maybe you pause and you go further and you say, but nevertheless, it's your word, I'll obey, okay? And then we see this happen. We, 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 we see something like this happen, and it says, for he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they took. So were James and John Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. I think about just, just this moment with the nets full of fish. If, if this was where the story ends, if this is where it ends, right here, okay, where the nets are bursting with fish, it would be an interesting but inconsequential miracle. It might feed their desire for a gospel of success in business, good grades in school, athletics, something like that, but it wouldn't justify or hardly be worthy of a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If they stopped right here without the repentance, or maybe even at the repentance, they just stopped. Maybe all they would see Jesus as a person, a God they could go to when they needed something. He's the God who brings success. He's the God who fulfills my needs. See, sometimes some of life's greatest invitations can look like interruptions, so don't miss the moment. Don't run 
from repentance. So press pause. Hit return. On my phone, when I pull it out and I'm watching a video and I want to press pause, I, I, I have to literally press it on my phone. When I'm typing a text message out on my phone and I get ready to either hit send or start a new line, I have to hit return. Repentance is all about returning. It's about turning from where we are. The church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter three, Jesus said, I love these things that you're doing, but I've got this one thing against you. You've left your first love. So I need you to hit return. He said, I need you to, to remember. I remember, remember me. I need you to repent of your sin and I need you to return. Return. I, I need you to, to, to do those things in, our, in your life. Why do I do those things? Because God's work in you is a process. It's not an event. It progresses not in three or four huge moments, but in 10,000 life moments. If, if you were to take your relationship with God and, and, and if, you, if you prayed every second of every day, it would never be enough for you to gain God's approval. If you gave every penny of every dollar you ever made and every job that you ever had, it would never be enough for you to gain and earn God's approval in your life. If you did ministry perfectly for the right reasons for all people, exactly the way God wanted you to do it, and there was no way you could mess it up, it would still not be enough for you to earn God's approval in your life. If you loved everybody and had no hatred or bitterness or anger in your heart, there would still not be enough to earn God's approval. Sin is too big. God's greatness, God's glory is too much. But God still commended his love for you. And that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Peter, never seen anything like that before happen to him and he fell on his knees. He said, I'm not worthy of this. And Jesus didn't toss him out of the boat. No. See, if you want to see God go to work in your life, you've got to be willing to ask for and accept his forgiveness. He said, you want to be my disciple? Hey, it's fine. You got to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and come and follow me. There's a, there's a difference between a convert and a disciple. Disciples got to go all in. Disciple, you can't, you can't miss the moment. You, you can't run from repentance and finally, you can't be afraid to take action. You can't let fear stop you from your future. And this is what he does. It says, don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. <laughs> I just gave you enough fish to take care of you and your family for a hot minute. From now on, you're going to go catch people. Now we're going to go fish for men. It's exactly what Jesus said to Simon Peter in the moment. He said, you may believe in the miracle, but come trust in me. You may believe in what I did for you, but come follow me. And we're gonna do even greater things than what you just witnessed for your very own life. See, 
Then they brought the boats to land. They left everything and they went and they followed him. It wasn't even a call to Andrew, James, and John. It was a call to Peter. They just said yes and they followed. See, some of life's greatest invitations can look like interruptions, so don't miss the moment. Press pause. Don't run from repentance. Hit return. And then finally, don't be afraid to take action. Go. Press pause, hit return. Then what? Then go. Go. Go do it. Go follow God. Go trust him. Go get in his word. Go get in his church. Go get in the life where he's working and moving and doing things for you, in you, and through you. See, if you want to see God change your life, you got to be willing to be bold and step out in faith. See, the truth is, a person can have a busy life, but they can still have empty nets. Well, that's where they were. They'd been fishing all night. They didn't have anything to show for it. Truth is, a person can have full nets, but they can still have an empty life. He could have had a full net, pulled that boat back to shore, went and sold them, went home and celebrated with his wife. He'd have missed the purpose. See, the truth is, a person can trust God to fill both their nets and their lives. The question for you today is, are you willing to trust him enough to let him do that for you? That's the question. You have to answer it. And so, that's my question for you today. You trust him enough to let him do that for you. So what's your boat? What's your net? What's your need? What's your wish? What's your desire? What's your hurt? What's your pain? What's your purpose? What is your miracle? What is the God of all creation wanting to do with you? Why don't you press pause? Why don't you hit return and go and find out? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Or maybe if you're driving your car, don't bow your head and don't close your eyes. Just listen. The starting point for everybody is a confession of sin, repentance, and acceptance of God's grace into your life. The next step is following through with it. What do you need to do? Is it a step of faith? Is it a beginning, opening a door of salvation in your life and asking God to save you? Then cool, do that today. Do it right now. Say this with me. Pray. Say, God, I need you. God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your one and only son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Say to him, Jesus, be the savior and Lord of my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to say yes to you. Amen. What's your step? Is that it? Let us know. Tell us today. I made that step. I said yes to Jesus. Maybe you want to take a step with a church. Come to church. Come and join us. Be a part of our church family. And let's grow together in our faith. Want to be a disciple? Jesus said, come and follow me. I hope you have a great week. I pray you live it on purpose. And I pray that the God of heaven meets you where you are and changes your life and uses it for his glory. Hope to see you again real soon.
If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.